Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. All right, so for the past several days, you and I have been watching and hearing local, state, and national leaders offer variation on uh, just a handful of themes. Here are three direct quotes that I have heard multiple times. We are better than this. This is not who we are. And these are not our values. Now, I touched on this in my conversation in the last hour with Adam Carrington, but I want to pause here and talk about the distance between what we imagine is true about ourselves, what we, you know, what we hold to be truths that are self-evident, that all people are created equal by God, and yet the lived out reality of who we have become, who we really are. Um, King David was a man after God's own heart, no question about it. He loved the Lord. If you've read the Psalms, you know how intimately he loved the Lord. But David also did some things that were very, very explicitly contrary to the God he claimed to love and serve. And when Nathan comes to him and helps him see himself, um, there's this moment of Scales falling off his eyes would be one way of understanding that, really seeing himself for who he was. He was not he was not the man that the world saw, and he was not the man that he claimed himself to be. God knows what's going on in our heart of hearts. And so um, Nathan says to David, you are the man. Like, you're not like you're the man in a positive way. Like, you are the man who has taken something that God had given to another, um, and then you have taken the life of that man, like on and on and on. So I want us to consider today that the problem is we are not better than this. The problem is this is who we are, and the problem is all those that our expressed values, our expressed values might be um, equal justice under the law. Our expressed values might be um, liberty and justice for all. Our lived reality is something very different than that. And to borrow the language of D.A. Horton from our conversation on Friday, we have an ethnic animosity. And when you think about ethnic animosity, let me introduce here um, uh, the, the Samaritans. Ethnic animosity grows out of a group of people um, believing that another group of people, because of their ethnicity, and in this, you know, when you talk about the Samaritans and, uh, and the Jews, you're just talking about very, very, very proximate neighbors, like literal proximate neighbors. Um, and you'll remember the story from John chapter 4, where uh, in order to move from Judea to Galilee, 
you know, Jesus could have gone around it like every other good Jew. Instead, he passed right through it, right? And he meets the woman at the well. You know this story. Ethnic animosity is really what is at work in that conversation. And Jesus just does not entertain that very human um, reality. He doesn't. He is living as the king through kingdom principles, and he is not partial to ethnicities. He has. He shows no partiality. Um, he shows an impartiality related to gender in this in this story, and he shows an impartiality related to um, a misunderstanding of religious practice, and he shows no partiality in terms of um, this woman's ethnicity. He also shows an impartiality in relationship to sin and brokenness, and he brings his mercy to bear upon it all. So um, we, t- we talk a lot about the Good Samaritan. Let us also be sure that in the midst of the conversations of the day, we are thinking about and talking about the Samaritan woman. Let us be thinking about and talking about uh, the city of Sychar and the way in which Jesus um, not only moved into the neighborhood, the light shining in the darkness, uh, in terms of taking on our human reality, but he moves into places and spaces that other people have been unwilling to move. And so I think that when we're having conversations today and we continue to act surprised um, about what has happened to George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery or read, your, read down the list, as long as we act like this is some kind of aberration, then, then we're just not being honest. The list of names is now too long for us to hide behind faces that are feigning shock any longer. Heartbroken, yes. Disgusted, yes. Righteously angry, yes. Surprised? And you haven't been paying attention for a really long time if you are surprised. And so we talked on Friday about the rising wake and what happens in the wake of life and death. And let me just say that the wake has now risen to a tide And we stand at a moment of personal and collective choice in America today. Who are we going to become? Because frankly, this is who we are. And we're not currently better than this. All right, next up, uh, I'm going to talk with Pastor Derwin Gray. Um, We were initially going to have a conversation about his new book, and we're still going to talk about that. It's called The Good Life. But we're also going to talk about the pressing concerns of this day. We'll be right back. Joining me now, Pastor Derwin Gray. You can um, find him in uh, a lot of locations. Um, try transformationchurch.tc. Also try derwinlgray.com. Uh, initially, the invitation was to talk about his book, and we are going to do that. It is The Good Life. It is. It launches tomorrow, but obviously you could go ahead and get it today. Thegoodlifebook.net. Um, Derwin, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you so much. And Carmen, I just appreciate your prophetic voice. Um, I appreciate your passion, your biblical accuracy to this issue. And uh, as a fellow believer in Christ, as an African-American, thank you so much. 
Thank you. I um, I feel like we've been, for those of us who've been listening, for those of us who've been paying attention, for those of us who've been learning the language, for those of us who've been um, prodding, we're not, you know, we're devastated, but we're not surprised. And and it's time for real change. The time for chatting yeah. about things is over. It's time for real change. Yeah. You, you know, so I am a, I'm a local church pastor. We are a 10-year-old church, and we intentionally planted multi, uh, a multi-ethnic church because as we read the gospel, we saw that Jesus not only reconciles us vertically with our Father, but he reconciles us horizontally as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, when the George Floyd murder took place, a lot of my white pastors and brothers and sisters in Christ called me going, I can't believe this. And I said, why? I said, why can't you believe this? We've only been talking about it since the civil rights, before that Jim Crow era. Uh, as a matter of fact, in my new book, The Good Life, in chapter nine called Happy Are the Peacemakers, I actually opened that chapter up with a story about Rodney King and police brutality in 1992. And so for my white evangelical brothers and sisters, the first thing that I'll say is so many pulpits from my white pastor friends have been silent about this issue. And black cries for help have been met with dismissiveness, has been met with surely, well, you must have done something to deserve that. It's been met with, well, what about all the death that takes place in Chicago? Well, yes, death that takes place in Chicago is terrible, but those are criminals fighting each other, whereas police are called to protect and serve, that they are servants of the community. And oftentimes the scales of justice have not gone in favor of African-American men in our country. And, and this isn't a new thing. This is a systemic thing. And the beautiful thing is that through the power of the gospel, which is more than I get to go to heaven when I die, it's I get to be God's justice on earth. There's a reason why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. And frankly, we have allowed apathy. Uh, my white brothers and sisters have allowed indifference. It's, well, that that's not my problem. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. And love says, Injustice anywhere is an attack against justice everywhere. And love does not simply mean, well, I care about things that only affect people who look like me. Loving my neighbors, I love myself means I want to care about what affects everyone. That's what a Jesus follower does. That's that's what a peacemaker does. And so in my new book, I spend an entire chapter explain, okay, here are practical steps that we can take. Uh, and African-Americans and people of color, they've already been engaging in this. And so we're, I'm, I'm writing this so my white brothers and sisters can go, okay, here are some actionable steps that I can take to be a part of the solution, to be silent no more, to be engaged. And to, to, to pastors who are listening, you can't be afraid of preaching against racism in your church because you think people are going to leave. If people leave because you're preaching against racism, then I'm not sure those people belong to Jesus anyway. Yeah, let them go. So we I need mean, some I, courage. 
Jesus let people go. I mean, you know, the people, he let people walk away. And, yes, um, he did. and we're going to have to get to the place where we recognize that the numbers of people inside of a building, I mean, surely we've learned that already during this pandemic, right? It, your church is not the number of people you can pack into a building. Um, your church is somehow constituted differently than that. Um, the church is multi-ethnic. I mean, Pentecost is real. The church is multi-ethnic. Um, we do not always live uh, that demonstrated reality, and that is a problem. Um, I, I love this new book. It's called The Good Life, and uh, Derwin is talking right now about Chapter 8, Happy Are the Peacemakers. The whole book is constructed around the Beatitudes, and so you're going to get, uh, you know, Happy Are the Peacemakers in the midst, uh, in the midst of this. Um, when we come back from a very brief break, I'm going to invite Derwin to talk with us about the word happiness and why he's using it in here. This book also contains a happiness manifesto, a 30-day happiness challenge, um, and chapter five, which I suspect surprised you, Derwin, at how timely it is, because it's about how the early church responded to plagues and pandemics. So this book is timely. It is for you. Um, and when, I'm going to find out during the break whether or not I have copies to give away. I'm pretty sure I do. So um, we'll be right back uh, with Pastor Derwin Gray. The book is The Good Life. You can check it out at thegoodlifebook.net. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Pastor Derwin Gray, we are talking about his new book, The Good Life. And indeed, yes, I do have some copies to give away. If you would like to enter the drawing to win one of those copies, text the word book. Don't text anything else, just the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Derwin, let's talk about... Um, the Beatitudes as the framework for the conversation in The Good Life, uh, and then let's be sure we touch a little bit on what happens in chapter 5. Yeah, so in essence, what Jesus does at the Sermon on the Mount when he starts off with the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 1 through 12, is he's inviting us into his kind of happiness. Like he lists eight different characteristics of a blessed or happy person. The the Greek word blessed is makoros, and it literally means happy. So happy are the peacemakers, happy are the humble, happy are the poor in spirit, happy are the merciful, happy are the pure in heart, happy are those who are persecuted. And when you look at those eight different characteristics, it's actually a living portrait of Jesus himself. And in his humanity, Jesus is the prototype of what we were meant to become. And so salvation is actually the restoration of our humanity as the Holy Spirit comes to live in us to form us into um, Jesus-looking people. The Spirit does that as we participate by faith. And so happiness is actually the other side of holiness. Holiness and happiness are two sides of the same coin. And so our happiness is no longer rooted in external things. It's rooted in the internal, eternal love of God who's shaping us by the Spirit of God to be the people we were created to be. Happiness is about becoming who God created us to be. And as we become who God created us to be, we become His living presence, His hands and His feet, in this world. And so God is offering us 
something so much better and more beautiful and long lasting and impactful. And I'm excited for people to enter into the good life that Jesus wants to offer us. Yeah, I'm excited about that as well. Um, Derwin, we had D.A. Horton on with us on Friday to talk about his book, Intentional. I feel like God is stirring the pot on this. Like, I feel like God is, you know, speaking through a number of people um, really in in ways that are provoking us to move actively in this direction, to become these living expressions, these visible living expressions um, of of the kingdom, not just, you know, some fancy thing we could be today, but these genuine living demonstrations of the kingdom. Um, you know, as as we bring this conversation to a close, we've got a couple of minutes left. I'm just wondering if you could sort of out of your pastoral heart, just call people to um, to not settle back in to the rut that we tend to just always return to. I'll just admit to you, I'm already hearing from people that, woo, I'm breathing easier this morning because it seems like there's, um, you know, peace is being restored or, or, you know, this order is being restored. And I have I have responded immediately in saying, if you think you can breathe easier this morning, you've already forgotten that he couldn't breathe. Like, you've already forgotten I can't breathe. Like, And so can you just help us, provoke us a little bit this morning? Yeah, what, uh, what I would say is Jesus gave us the blueprint. And he said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what I would say is, Think of the most marginalized people in your community. And for example, let's just take the plight of black men. Would you ever want to change places with the plight of black men? If your answer is no, then get to work loving and creating a society in which black men are not marginalized. And I know some listeners are going, well, you know, those professional athletes. Well, I've been a professional athlete And I want to use my voice and my platform for people who don't have a voice and a platform. That's what it means to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And think of the story of the Good Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans had a 400-year racial religious battle. And the Samaritan walks over to the Jewish man bloodied and bleeding. He didn't, the only connection he had with him was humanity. Let's make humanity great again by learning how to love again. And love is sacrificial. Love looks like the cross. Love looks like this. If any of my brothers and sisters in humanity are hurting, then I want to be healing. That's what the good news is. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, to the blind to the oppressed. I mean, he's, he's very, very clear. And if, if the church you attend talks about racism only one time a year or twice a year when something bad takes place, that's part of the problem because it's littered, literally all throughout the Bible. I, I'm a New Testament scholar. Like It is literally all throughout the Bible. My theology for racial reconciliation and peacemaking is rooted in the Bible, especially in the words of Jesus and the Apostle Paul. And I want to encourage folks, get my book, The Good Life. I mean, it is a starting place. We need your voice. But more importantly, Jesus is looking at us and Jesus is saying, where are you? What are you going to do with your life? 
What is the purpose of your life? Is it simply to consume or to participate in my kingdom? He is calling you. He's equipping you. And some of you going, well, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he's saying, just bring me your two fish and five loaves of bread and I'll multiply it. God does not need our ability. He's got plenty of that. God needs our availability. Amen. Amen. Um, the, the good book, oh, the good book, <laughs> it is a good book. The Good Life is a good book about the good life. Uh, I want you to go ahead and check it out, thegoodlifebook.net. If you'd like to enter to win the drawing for one of the copies that I have here, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Derwin, I just wanted to uh, give you a word of encouragement for my own household here very quickly. Um, I have a, a, a special needs son and um, he's been... He's 14, but he's just now uh, like sort of able to process through some things, you know, where you feel like you can count on him remembering a second day, which you talked about yesterday. And so we've been working in Genesis chapter one, and he um, he knows what God calls good. Like that, he's he's up to speed on that. And he's like, well, you know, God said it was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. And so when he saw the the front of the of your book, he said, is that is that about when it was good? Mm. And I said, That's yes. Awesome. Yes, it is about when it was good, and it's about today. So there you go. I just want to encourage you with that. Hey, thank thank you you. so much um, for everything. I look forward to talking with you again as, uh, you know, as the— as the needs of this current moment become, you know, the ongoing conversation that we're hopefully having uh, more often, not less often. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be right back. Joining uh, me right now. Oh, not right now. I'm supposed to be teasing something else. Oh, I let me pay attention to what I'm doing. I'm so sorry. Gosh, I lose track. Good morning, people. Um, all right. So uh, June 4th is the Tiananmen Square anniversary. And for the first time, an event which has uh, uh, this annual event uh, commemorating it has been held annually since 1990. For the first time this year, There will be no vigil on Thursday in memory of the people who died during the 89 Tiananmen Square protests in China. That is significant. We're going to have a conversation about all things China with Dr. David Aikman. That up next. All right, joining me now, Nikki Corbin from Faith 90.5 in Duluth. Nikki, welcome. Good morning, Carmen. Happy to be good, here. Good morning. It's wonderful to have you with us. Um, why don't you give uh, some encouraging words today to the people who are listening uh, and tell them where we are in terms of uh, our needs here at Faith Radio um, and how they can help. Yeah, we are getting close. I'm pretty impressed. So we have 7% just to reach our overall financial need for the year. That is a really good place to be. But here's what it looks like. Seven gifts a day between now and June 30th at about the Team 360 level would do it to be fully funded. So Team 360 is $30 a month or a one-time gift or pledge. Now, maybe you're saying that's right for me. Maybe you're saying, I can't do that. I could do a little less. Maybe I could even do a little more. But your involvement is needed right now. About 95% of people who listen to Faith Radio haven't yet joined the Giving Family. So there's room for you. Many hands make light work, right? 
You can give online at MyFaithRadio.com, or you can call or text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. You are needed to help keep Faith Radio going strong. Nikki, thank you um, so much. Blessings upon you and the Faith 90.5 family up there in Duluth. We'll catch up with you later. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. This is Max Locato. God promises, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames scorch you. Will your unhappy marriage become happy in a heartbeat? Well, not likely. Does God guarantee the absence of struggle? Not in this life. But he does pledge to reweave your pain for a higher purpose. It won't be quick. Joseph was 17 years old when his brothers abandoned him. He was 37 when he saw him again. Another year passed before he saw his father. Sometimes God takes his time. But remember this. You are a version of Joseph in your generation. His story is in the Bible for this reason, to teach us to trust God to trump evil. And what Satan intends for evil, God redeems for good. You will get through this. This is Max Locato. My name is Bond, James Bond. Joining me now, Dr. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed magazine. Um, Good sir, I think that you and I were not on the radio last Monday, and it just all went, you know, south, deeply south. We cannot cannot skip a Monday ever again. Well, I thought you were doing the best of the previous month and so forth, but that didn't apparently go well, so okay. Well, it was Memorial Day here in the United States of America, and so technically everybody took a day off. But, you know, clearly you and I cannot take a day off. Uh, whew, okay, so we're, we are not going to take uh, personal responsibility for all that's going wrong. But let us talk about China. Um, I just shared uh, a couple of minutes ago the news that um, Hong Kong will not be – there will be no um, – there will be no gathering uh, to commemorate the Tiananmen Square massacre and, pro, you know, the, the the protests that took place there in 1989. For the first time since 1990, there will be no uh, vigil held uh, commemorating the Tiananmen Square massacre. And, you know, I just feel like that's uh, that's China taking advantage of uh, of the coronavirus to say, hey, we can't let people be together in one place. Talk with us about China. Um, there's a long list of directions we could go. Right. Well, first of all, at the top of the agenda is a new Chinese National People's Congress security law, which has been passed by the Congress. It hasn't yet been spelled out in in clarity, but it gives the Chinese government employing the regime of the uh, special security zone, which is what Hong Kong is called, the authority to basically forbid any activities in Hong Kong that would appear to be a threat to the Chinese Communist Party. So, for example, if a Chinese academic or specialist speaks to an American news organization about what he thinks is happening in Hong Kong, that could be deemed subversion 
or sedition or even treason. I mean, the list of possibilities for clamping down on free expression, the right of public assembly, is just huge. And it really spells, I think, the end of Hong Kong in its original system of one country, two systems. Now we've gone back to one country, one system, which is what China wanted all the way, all the way along. All right. Uh, David Aikman and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to have him help us understand how um, all of this is is showing up in the way that China is engaging diplomatically around the world. We're going to talk about wolf warriors next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Dr. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed magazine. Um, David, you have been watching China, observing their behavior for uh, a long period of time. Have you seen, uh, have you observed this change in terms of uh, diplomacy and foreign policy that others are pointing out when they use the term wolf warriors? Yes, indeed. I mean, first of all, in recent weeks, China's diplomats have become extremely aggressive, not only towards the United States, but towards any countries that dare to criticize uh, China's handling the COVID-19 crisis. But it goes back much longer than that. We really have to go back to the 1980s or 1990s when China developed its 100-year plan to replace the United States as the major global superpower by the year 2049, which would, of course, be the 100th anniversary of the communist takeover of China. And that strategic objective has been uh, echoed in various China's activities, the uh, 2020 uh, 2020 program to uh, have China be the leader in world manufacturing everywhere from, um, and it also includes basic suppression of all of Hong Kong's efforts to implement and to continue to implement the one country, two systems policy which was sealed in place in 1997 when China officially took over Hong Kong. The agreement was that Hong Kong's essential public legal practices would be continued for 50 years. Uh, In other words, up until uh, 2047. But clearly what China has done has nibbled away at all of the security guarantees of free press, um, unlimited legal activity that characterized Hong Kong first under the British and until very recently under Chinese control. So it's the end of Hong Kong as we know it. Yeah, the end of Hong Kong as we know it is probably the... um 
the sobering reality uh, that we all need to begin to understand. You and I have been talking about this for better than a year now, um, and sort of the moment has arrived. Um, Also in relationship to China, the U.S. House of Representatives has passed a sanctions bill related to the Uyghur Muslims. Um, You know, I I view that as a very positive step forward in terms of U.S. uh, actions. Um, What's your take on that? Yeah, I think so. And I think probably uh, President Trump will sign it because um, the global evidence in democratic countries and the global voicing of objections to what China has done to weaker Muslims in the west of China is overwhelmingly critical of the Chinese regime for its actions. And I think it would be very difficult for the president to stand up against this groundswell of opposition to what China is doing. I'm talking with uh, David Aikman. He's the editor of Godspeed magazine. We've been spending our time here this morning uh, focused on China and all things China. David, I'm also um, also wondering just from your perspective, I mean, obviously the whole world is watching what's happening in the United States of America. I know that uh, there have been um, some sort of solidarity protests in London uh, in 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 terms of what's happening here in the United States, I'm just wondering, you know, sort of what what are you seeing in terms of global coverage uh, in relationship to what's going on here in the United States? Well, I think European coverage has been uh, as it has been ever since President Trump was inaugurated, very critical of the United States and suffering from an advanced degree of uh, T, uh, TGS, TDS, Trump degeneration syndrome. Uh, people don't seem to be able to separate one event in the United States from. Do we lose him, Paul? Yep. All right. We uh, apparently, if you mention uh, Trump derangement syndrome um, on air, you get dropped. Paul, did I get dropped, or did? That's okay. <laughs> All right. Paul will feverishly work to get uh, David Aikman back on the air. Um, it is it is always interesting to me to note uh, how the president responds to certain events and how he does not respond to certain other events. So continuing our conversation now with David Aikman. Um, apparently, David, you can't, um, you can't mention Trump derangement syndrome on the air or um, you will be dropped. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, that that's another example of the censorship that's going on in uh, <laughs> media platforms. But more seriously, what Europeans don't seem to have realised is that in the within the kernel of opposition to an understandable opposition to this uh, very brutal arrest of an African American person in uh, Minneapolis, there has been a core of destructive anarchists who use fascist methods to suppress opposition to them and to create violence. And the worst of these groups is called Antifa, which is a word that comes from anti-fascist. 
But in fact, Antifa has been conducting a savage campaign of thought control on American college campuses to prevent people getting up to speak who don't have a worldview that they agree with. And it's a very sinister development. And now they are getting involved with turning these demonstrations against the uh, the American security forces, forces to cause the death of this African-American. They're turning it into property damage um, against innocent Americans who just happen to be in the location of their protest. David, um, as always, uh, you bring it to uh, to a point of clarity that is particularly helpful. Uh, we have heard the president of the United States uh, say that uh, the United States is going to formally categorize Antifa as a uh, domestic terrorist organization. We uh, we will have, I'm sure, subsequent conversations about that. Um, we we also uh, maybe next week we should talk about. Uh, the G7, which is at least going to be postponed, but it sounds like the U.S. president is also interested in expanding it to include others. So I think that um, maybe we'll hold that conversation for next week, and uh, and I just really always appreciate the global perspective that you bring. So thanks for being with us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Have a blessed week. We'll be right back. All right, so I exchanged um, uh, a message yesterday with a friend who talked about it being a Sabbath of unrest, that we as America were experiencing yesterday a Sabbath of unrest. Um, I want I want you to consider that for just a moment. Um, there is a temptation to allow ourselves to just return to surfacey, a, a surfacey kind of peace that does not actually run deep. And so I want to encourage us. Yes, people are cleaning up around the country. That's an important uh, way and and place to engage. But the unrest is not resolved. The unrest is not resolved because justice is not actually yet flowing down. Um, And so let us be mindful of that. Let us not return to some sense of peace where there really is no peace. Let us be people who allow this event in our shared collective experience, let us allow this event to actually begin to substantively change the way we don't just talk and listen, but we act and behave and mobilize and begin to bring real systemic change. Person by person, moment by moment, event by event, opportunity by opportunity. And if you need some practical ideas, um, we have talked on Friday and again today about some books that are full of some very practical ideas. Uh, We talked with D.A. Horton on Friday about his book, Intentional. Um, We talked today with Derwin Gray about The Good Life. Both of those books contain extremely practical ways to move forward. Um, in terms of our conversations, not only with people of color, but the establishment of real justice and kingdom ethics here in the United States of America and beyond. Thanks for joining me this morning. The podcast will be up soon at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.